Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wanders of Milsonda for the Accidental Aliens. And I'm Keith Foster. I am a managing partner at Invader Comics and the writer of both Kadoja and the upcoming Three Protectors, which should be out in a few weeks. All right, man. Hey, so we're in person today. Uh, we just did... Clank glasses, motherfucker. Boom. We so we are sipping on the madam, as we do when we uh, do podcasts together in person, or we usually stop by society and throw a couple back there. But hey, we're on a time crunch, so we got a, a crowler, which is a can growler, if you guys didn't know that, and we brought it back to my place, and so we're doing the pot over here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had, we had a free comic book day today, so... You can figure out when we recorded this. You're smart people. And uh, we went to SoCal Comics. As, so this is my second time doing this. How many times have you done this? At the, SoCal Comics? At the free comic book day at SoCal. Uh, maybe five. Oh, five, five or six times. Yeah, we've been, we've been doing it there ever since we started doing uh, shows together as a studio, as the Accidental Alien. So we first started in 2017. So yeah, what is that? Five? Yeah, five. I was right. So yes, because twenty didn't count. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, twenty didn't exist. Yeah, so uh, it's been going great. I love doing shows over there. We do many a shows. We do signature signing series because SoCal Comics is a comic shop that is licensed by CGC. I don't, mm. I don't really know the term of that, but they do hold signature signing events there, and uh, so we'll come out for those as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's very cool. So yeah, I mean, we can we can go through. We can just take turns a little bit so we can drink our beers. Uh, while the other person is talking. And it's oh so delicious. It is. It's fantastic, man. Um, yeah, the madam just consistently delivers. Such a... There are other golden ales in the world, but the madam is is my favorite. And again, I, I like even more the fact that it's not canned. So you do have to go to the brewery to get it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I kind of do wish they had it in cans so I can have it at home. I know. It's just like the only place you can go it is by going to the brewery. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's special in that sense. Is yeah. It's like it makes it, you know, an event when you go over there. It's like, hey, totally. we're going to go to the comic shop. Then we're going to go to society. You yeah. know, and have the beers. So, yeah, man. that's always cool. Um, but, yeah, if they had it in cans or bottles, preferably, like something about a beer in a bottle would be delicious but it, yeah we'll take what we can get yeah because it has a shelf life more than two days you know that's the thing yeah too. with the can growlers yep. yeah yeah um so this is this was my second one my first one was the whenever that was the october one last year in 2021 when we were throwing off our may cadence because you know because covid and um yeah this was my second time around um it was a it was an interesting day it was different it was different because last year the last year my my experience was that a bunch of people got in line and then went through the line as quickly as possible at like 10 a.m. because you could tell they were going to other shops. They were almost hustling to their cars after they got their free comics, like 1950s businessmen with their briefcase. You know, like I got my comics. I can't wait to list these on eBay. Now it's off to the next store to try to get the same thing again. You know, um, for some reason, and maybe it's because... There was no well-known grab-it kind of book that people were going to flip like Red Room was last Free Comic Book Day. Um, it felt like people were more like relaxed and chill, and they actually got their free comics and then wandered the many tents. What do you think? Like two dozen? Um, tape, like artists and vendors all said and Yeah, done. something like that, yeah. Uh, another thing that SoCal Comics did this year that was different was, and, and quite clever, they had two or three tables full of trade paperbacks. 
graphic novels, whatever, for five bucks. Mm -hmm. And then towards the end of the day, they actually discounted it to two dollars, which was kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, that that really kept people around, and they stopped and they shopped. And uh, overall, it was a good day, I would say. Yeah. You know, it was. Uh, you did you did quite well right off the bat. Which is weird. That's usually not how it works for me, you know. So yeah, I mean, we we talked about this earlier, obviously, but yeah, you were all you were more of a slow burn, where for me, I had two big sales within like the first thirty minutes. And when I say that, I mean people showed up and bought like the entire story, which I think I mentioned on previous podcasts that I haven't even had that many people at comic conventions buy the whole story recently. Seems like a lot of people, and and I would totally do this too. You have your budget, you show up, you see a bunch of cool comics, and you buy volume one, or you buy the jumping off point. So it's been great to get new people into the books I write, but it's also nice when a person comes along, they're like, yeah, okay, I'll do all three, I'll do the whole story, and you know what that's like when someone's like, yeah, just give me give me all the story. Yeah, right the, whole, the whole run is the best sale, like, in my opinion, that you can have when you're working these shows. Mm -hmm. So it's like I do a bundle pack at shows where they could pick up all 12 issues and the trade paperback for X amount of dollars. And um, I love it. I love doing that deal because it's very rewarding. Everyone's, they're picking up every single issue that I've created thus far. And yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And you actually had number one back in print, which I didn't know about. Somehow I missed that. Maybe we talked about it on the podcast and I forgot, or maybe we didn't. Yeah, maybe I didn't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I finally reprinted issue one and I haven't, I hadn't reprinted it since 2013 when it came out. And so I did a super limited print run. I think I made 50 of them, 25 or 50. Mm -hmm. I didn't make a lot of them. So, and it's just like, it's not something I want to be always in the forefront. But like, if people are sticklers about single issues and want the first issue, it'll be there for them. But it's not something I'm pushing. And so I'm not promoting mm -hmm. it. Um, there was like, I sold a good amount of sets at San Diego Comic Fest. And I did include it with the bundle pack, which I usually don't do. Mm -hmm. It's usually issues two through five of the trade like single issues the trade itself so they get issues one through five and then the rest of the the run yeah um yes but I, eh, San Diego comic fest is like my home my home base or the aliens home base mm -hmm. so i was like oh fuck it i'll throw it in there and and you know make some people happy but yeah. i'm not gonna do that in the future yeah yeah i know i hear you i i mean i was happy that i had a good day as the visiting team you know last yeah. year at at socal comics so i was gonna just continuing at socal comics last year the first hour and a half for me was super dead last year because it felt like everybody was there actually for free comics. And then around the middle of the day, it started to get better and I ended up finishing pretty well. I mean, again, it's not it's not the kind of sales you're going to have at a normal show, but the overhead is zero. So everything you make is, is the equivalent of making back your table and your travel at any other show, right? So table, travel, hotel, all those things add up. So usually for shows, you know, it takes you to day two, day three, hopefully, where you're like, yes, I profited off this show. But here from the first sale, it's all profit, which is lovely. So probably in terms of profiting, this might be my most profitable show all year. You know, <laughs> you just never know because this is indie comics, you know. But um, but yeah, so for me, it was very tortoise in the hair. You know, like I jumped out to just some quick sales. And then after that, it was like here and there, some people still bought books. And then for you, it was the reverse, which was crazy because we were just talking about this. This happened to you in day one at the Ontario show, where you sat around questioning life for the first half of yeah. Saturday. Yeah, Comic-Con revolution. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, then, and then you just had this m massive 
two hours to end the day, you know? And then uh, we were just comparing this to Phoenix, which by the time this airs, we're getting closer and closer to doing the Phoenix show. But that was how your Phoenix was too, that it was it was slow for you. And then the last three hours on Sunday, I think you went bananas. And for me, it was the reverse. Like I just hit a wall. I, I could have... I could have just left with three hours left in the show on the Sunday at Fan Fusion a couple years ago. So. Yeah, it's it's so wild how it happens sometimes. And yeah, today was a exact replica of Phoenix Fan Fusion. It was like, oh, I guess I'm just doing a little bit of business all day long. It's just like, you know, nickel and diming, you know, if anything at all. And then, you know, out of nowhere, the last hour, like I made quite a, a good amount of dough. So, yeah. you know, no complaints, obviously, like you said, no overhead. Um, and it's... You know, it's us, the accidental aliens, and Keith hanging out all day drinking beer, talking shit. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with that. If I made, if I made twenty five bucks the whole day, I'm not going to be mad. You know exactly. what I mean? But uh, exactly. you know, luckily it wasn't that. But either way, it was a good day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mama, mama cooked a breakfast with no hog, and the Lakers beat the Supersonics. <laughs> I did want to mention something to you uh, in the moment, and this is just table stuff, right? The kind of thing where you'll pay attention to how somebody. Um, you know, is is at the table or whatever. And we didn't get a chance to follow up on the fact that earlier in the day you had said, man, I had a person at my booth and these two people came up that were interested in getting stuff, but the one person ended up taking too long and then they went away. Yeah. You know, they came back. Yes. Which was amazing. Right. So, uh, yeah, they came back and they ended up, like, getting stuff, which was really exciting to see. Oh, yeah, I that... thought they were long gone, too. Me, but... too. Because quite a, a bit of time had passed from when they were waiting behind the people purchasing things and to when they came back. It was quite a bit of time. And, yeah, they ended up spending a nice chunk of change at the booth. Um, they were returning fans. So I had met one of them at WonderCon in 2017, apparently. Mm. And she actually had trading cards from 2017 in her purse. And she was holding on to them. She's like, I usually have them at my desk, but, you know, I saw that you were going to be here. And so I brought them just to show you. And I was like, that's so cool. That is awesome. Yeah. So yeah. it was a cool, you know, like some young, a couple of young girls. And, and uh, you know, it was awesome. And uh, actually, there was probably about three or four returning people that I had met previously. One was a dad and two sons. And he was at the October uh, Free Comic Book Day. Mm -hmm. And he was asking for books like Tarek Zion, which is... Uh, Tristan Whitehouse, like he's he's been my letterer on the last couple of issues of my books, and um, so he does his own series, Tarek Zion, and um, they were asking for new ones, and I was just like, yeah, I think you have them all. Like he hasn't mm -hmm. put a new one out yet, so it, that was really cool. I really enjoyed that, and he's like, yeah, I, I bought Second Shift too. So and I was like, well, I have a couple new books. He's like, yeah, just give me whatever's new. And then I was like, have you read Wanderers? And he goes, no. And so I told him about it. He's like, yeah, I'll take those also. So mm -hmm. it was really cool. He bought a couple of t-shirts for his sons. And uh, it's a great feeling. It's just like, yeah. wow, returning fan. And he's all about us. He got shirts for his kids. It's like, cool. You're going to have our logos Hell like yeah. running around, you know, it's advertising our studio. It's like, like badass. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I wanted to make one more comment. And then I think we can get into the bulk of the episode. Or at least the other thing or two we wanted to talk about. But uh, something that I think is, I was particularly impressed with, is that you and I have now worked so many shows to where we have gotten very good at following the eyes of whoever is at the table, and then immediately we're going to pitch wherever those eyes are going. You know what I mean? Like, you did that once or twice with me. I know I did it once with you. 
we're just looking at the person's eyes. And if like, if the person's not like, I'm not tr- going to try to sell you on Kadoja and three protectors. If all you're doing is looking at second shift and wanderers and the art on Scott's table. And you did the same thing, man. Like I, I wasn't even paying attention. And then all of a sudden you just talked to somebody. I think they ended up getting something too. Cause their eyes were just on my side of the table. So yeah, man, we're just fucking hive minding yeah. it even more and more it, with the more shows we do. At yeah. the end of the day, we're like unlikely teammates in the sense that like, yeah, we're not selling the same product so it's cool like okay they're looking at giant monsters i don't sell giant i got one in one story Mm -hmm. but they're obviously here for that and if they pick them up and they stick around then i'll probably pitch them on mine right i'm like but what what comes first is they're staring at your side of the table you know like it's that table courtesy that we Mm -hmm. have for each other it's like we're buddies why would i try to snake you why would you try to snake me like that's not what we're doing here exactly so yeah it's it's just easy man especially since we have done so many shows together we know each other's pitches, you know, we know our, each other's books enough where we can pitch it in our own way. Yeah. You know, it's like how I pitch it is different than how you pitch your own book. Exactly. But it's just like, I know the basis of your book, so I pitch it the way I do. And if they want a refined pitch, then they can go to you for that and vice versa. Yeah, it was pretty hilarious. One final note is that there was a person at our table that did, wasn't familiar with either of our things and we pitched all four of our books within like 12 seconds. Do you remember that? You're mm-hmm. like, here's my book, blah, 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 blah. And here's my other book, blah, 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 blah. And then I did the same thing. It was just like, hey, man. I mean, again, it's it's that whole concentric circles pitch out, right? Elevator. See what one, see what one they're interested in. I mean, and we could do it on a really short-ass elevator ride, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Um, and again, I, I like the value in having that kind of, you know, really quick pitch, semi-longer pitch, and then we could just talk about whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, know? So yeah, yeah totally. Oh, before we get into other stuff... We actually got a letter that came in, and I wanted to talk about it real quick. It's something, um, well, let me just read it, because uh, I trimmed it down a bit. There was a lot of good stuff in there. Um, It is from uh, Lynn Workman. Lynn Workman discovered the podcast not too recently, and he just wanted to share some stories with us. He talked, like, I actually went back and forth with him for a few emails. He's a cool guy. Um, But I trimmed down the first one he sent over. Hey, Keith and Scott, just found your podcast this week while looking... For new ones for my feed, I started off with episode 74, Branding, and just listened to episode 75, Hardest Part of Making Comics. Uh, I had a couple of diamond stories for you. Back around 1999-2000 or so, my my comics partner Dave Betty and I created a martial arts adventure series called Bushy Tales. We started off doing a webcomic, but while doing conventions, we constantly had people asking to buy physical copies. So they were trying to get into Diamond, had gotten no response back from Diamond before the print run, so we just did 2,000 copies, sold them, look, or looked at doing a run of issue two, uh, still no word back from Diamond. While looking at doing a third issue, we had a Diamond rep finally contact us. They were all uh, super supportive. After talking to retailers, we decided to do a five-in-one incentive for a free issue. Our numbers were good, and we were going to quarterly because we both had day jobs and other art side gigs. We sold the second issue and numbers dropped a bit, which is expected for the second issue. Then our third issue numbers dropped even more drastically. We got to looking at our sales and noticed there were no additional incentive copies. We asked Diamond about it and they said, oh yeah, we decided not to do it. No heads up, they just decided to not give free comics to the retailers who are buying our comics. That sucks, number one. Like that's, yeah, that seems like a really weird thing to do if the comics creators are providing incentive copies and Diamond's only job is essentially to distribute those to the you know the comic shops that are purchasing them so it's kind yeah. of a weird move i can i can sort of devil's advocate diamond on this in this because 
it's it would be very tough logistically to give one free one for every five. You know what I mean? Like what you're counting on is people on the pick pack line saying, oh, for every five, I got to put another one in there. You know what I mean? Mm. So if you get 12, you get two. You know, if you get 23, you get four. Like you're asking people to do quick math like that. Yeah. Where it almost feels like, you know, logistically, this, by the way, is what I've done a lot of day job stuff. Yeah. You know, you'd almost need to create an SKU for it. So I. I, So I guess back in the day, that would have been more of an issue then because it's done quite regularly now. It it is, but I wouldn't be surprised if they put the incentive as like a separate SKU. Oh, okay. Like that, just okay. so they can pick that, you know. And then and then what happens is the computer brain upstream just spits it out because when you're running a packing line, what you want is that person to just look at the slip, put books in the box, and move on instead of think. You know right. what I mean? So anyway. Yeah, but, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, you know, I mean, hey, they're the only game in town, so you play by their rules or you don't play at all. Unfortunately. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I refuse. Um, here, this keeps going. He does mention one interesting thing, though, which we've talked about before in the context of collecting. Hmm but is helpful on the creator level as well, which is the drop from issue one to issue two is huge. No matter what book you do, like Marvel has the same problem, right? We've talked about number two is yeah, a thing to collect. Yeah, we just covered this in the uh, bullshit, all bullshit episode. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Issue two is one of the hardest issues to find because everyone loves the number one and they, they try the number one out they forget to put it on their pull list half of the time so yeah. they don't get issue two. The shop orders accordingly, and they when they see a couple of issues on the shelf or something, or they're like, hey, that I heard that came out. Where is it? Yeah. By that time, it's long gone, and then they put it on for issue three. So, yeah, issue yeah. two drop. Makes I, sense. I, I would say one other thing to that, too, which is there are a there is a large amount of comic fans. Okay, so let's call it substantial and not large, okay? A substantial amount of comic fans... Who, when they do their pull list through the the distributor, their pull list says all number ones. That's oh, the, wow. that's the list, you know. So like, comic shops know that this person wants every single number one that's out there, and I think that's one of the reasons for these kind of drops. Of course, number ones are the thing. Number ones are the thing that's going to escalate in value, even if the series mildly takes off, right? Where if you get a breakout hit that's where you really start looking for the number two as well. So I, I can see that to some extent too. But I mean, this happened with Kadoja. It happens with, with all books at all levels through all publishers that the drop between number one and number two is huge. And, uh, and in a lot of cases, the drop to number three will be huge as well because unless the timing of your book is really strong, retailers do not have time to understand how number one does by the time they are ordering number three, right? So two and three are blind ordered by retailers. And those are the ones that are going to have a huge drop. Because think about it. Comics are solicited two months in advance. Right. So if, if like a book comes out right now, like early May, the retailer has enough data to make the decision to order number three in time. But like Invader, our, our principal is to have the book always released in the last week of the month. Which means you're not going to get that kind of data. You're going to have to wait till issue four to actually get the data from issue one and have it work. So anyway, just nerdery, but it is helpful to the kind of people that listen to this podcast that want to do their own book and possibly solicit through Diamond if they're not doing it already. Right on. And then I kept this in here because I thought this was interesting. Um, 
Heard Keith mention the Godzilla tea guy. I used to do, um, excuse me, I used to always stand behind our table and either wave and say hi to folks as they walk by and or comment on their tea or costume. Hey, great Godzilla tea, quote unquote. Uh, most times they would smile, wave back, and many times they would stop and listen to what we had to offer. And at that point, it was up to us to elevator pitch, etc. So I included this because in that moment, I remember you mentioning it. I, I normally would have said, that's Keith's style. It's not my style. Mm-hmm. Because I'm much like... Lynn here, I I do point out t-shirts or whatever, and uh, so that's more my style. So honestly, it's just more personal preference. Keith mm-hmm. Keith's approach is different. He likes to see if they're going to approach the table, and then when they do, he does comment on their shirt or their shoes or whatever the mm-hmm. case is. But that's his style. Me, I'm if I get a glance, I'm like, hey, what's up? Yeah, you know, like, and that's just who I am, you know. And it's just like, hey, if I interact with them, there's more of a chance for a sale, and that and that's just me. I will do that with a certain type of t-shirt, mm. death metal or extreme metal, because, so my logic is this, lots of people like Godzilla, and, and uh, I've, I've had this conversation before uh, in, in other contexts, but generally, the median person who, who considers themselves a Godzilla fan is not that hardcore. You know what I mean? Like, like the kind of fan I am with Godzilla. If if you have seen half, just half, of all the Godzilla movies out there, you're in the top 5% of Godzilla fans. That's what G-Fest is. That's what places like that are. But a lot of people, man, they they buy Godzilla t-shirts. They, they might even have a toy or two, although I doubt it. They probably just have a couple Godzilla t-shirts and they like the concept of Godzilla. They've probably seen five films. You know what I mean? Like five, six, seven, maybe something like that, right? So, be, it, and and the, that's the reason that I don't really go bonkers with Godzilla shirts because I know there are plenty of Godzilla fans out there that may not like my stuff. If I see a death metal shirt, an extreme metal shirt, thrash, anything, I'm I'm talking to you. I'm I am going to say like, dude, that's an awesome testament shirt, or I love Gate Creeper, or whatever it's going to the be. The decibel shirt we saw the, today. The decibel shirt, and the guy ended up being a giant monster fan. It was he was just like mirror image Keith. Yeah, he it, was a, yeah, it was giant monsters, but he also loves HP Lovecraft, which is your pitch, right? You know, Godzilla meets HP Lovecraft. So. Yeah, his girl, his girlfriend or wife probably thought we were full of crap when she was like, "Oh, he likes giant monsters, but he also really likes HP Lovecraft," and you were like, "That's." how Keith describes this comic, you know. (laughs) Luckily, I can open up volume one and point to a Lovecraft pullout quote that prefaces the final chapter, but it's like, yeah, yeah, we're not not just making this up. Yeah, it's cool. And that guy was, it was like he was built for you. Yeah. So, and it was cool. They picked up, and he was one of the people that picked up the whole run. And that's that's very on brand for me, you know, like a couple people show up and love it, and it's right in their wheelhouse, and then I sit bored for hours. (laughs) <laughs> right like that happens too so yeah it's 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 my convention thing you yeah know? but anyway so yeah that's all i think that's all we had for free comic book day right? yeah yeah and, and then uh, of course lynn, the letter from right lynn. and then lynn you know he says sorry for the long email especially for the first one just wanted to share those stories and say i'm glad i found your podcast um he actually does a podcast himself it's called drawing funny so yeah give that a look if you guys can i haven't listened to it yet so i'm gonna look forward to uh popping popping that onto my list real quick and checking it out and seeing if it's a cool podcast so yeah uh, yeah drawing funny and as predicted my my executive decision that i recommended to you for us to drink the madam and record the podcast and then eat afterwards is working magnificently. Okay, so it's hitting you then. I'm starting to just stare at the food and like, that food's starting to look really good. <laughs> uh, Scott has seamlessly filled up the madam in our glasses. So we, we're splitting a 32 ounce and uh, he poured the rest in and here we are. So 
anyway. this is where we're at. Yeah. So, what'd you do this week? Yeah, yeah. What I did was something that I've been looking forward to doing for a while, which is I started lettering Kadoja Symphony of Madness number one. And uh, it is a 22-page of content issue. I can proudly say that through the first week, I am 11 pages in. So if people have a diehard memory, like a, a rock-solid memory, and they're diehard followers of my Instagram, which, you know, if you are fantastic, um, you may have noticed or think back in your memory that there was a week where I didn't post about what comics I was reading. And that's because I'm waking up a little early every day with the goal of lettering two pages in the morning before I go to work. Get those two pages done and go. And so I'm happy to say that in five days of lettering through the weekdays, I got 11 pages done. And uh, halfway through, and uh, boy, now that I'm getting better at lettering, not only is my process getting better... Streamlined, yeah. But I find it centering, too. It's just, it's sort of a nice, relaxing, zen exercise, you know, because you get you get the pattern down. And my pattern is I, I take the page um, in Photoshop. So I use Photoshop because I'm not that smart. You know, I'm not smart enough to use AI. And because I have used Photoshop for uh, 10 years, I almost don't want to waste the time to learn Illustrator and pay more. You know, where like I know Photoshop, I pay for Photoshop. I can clumsily do it in Photoshop and I got a decent system. So I, what I'll do is I'll put it at like full screen resolution. And the first thing I do is go through the script in a, in a separate window and drop the balloons in to where they need to go on the panels. And uh, so the first thing is looking at the balloons, you know, in my case, right, in Scott's case, he just drops the balloons in and then puts the point on at the end. In my case, I have a prefab arsenal of three whole, like, Photoshop pages full of balloons. So for me, it's like, what does that need and where can I find it in my prefab balloons? And then all I'll do is I'll kind of shrink it, collapse it, you know, make it make it squatter or make it wider or whatever, and, and then have that fit, right? So the first thing I do is I just put placeholder balloons everywhere to make sure they're stumbling over the art as little as possible. You know, sometimes you can't help it and you're going to have to, like, obstruct some art, but... In general, if the artist knows what they're doing, they're going to give you those spaces to put the words in. That's why they ask for the script the first time, you know. So um, so that's the first thing I do. I do those. And then what I'll do is I'll zoom in, cut and paste all the text in front of the balloons. Then it's, then it's like, then it's wordsmithing, you know. Like what I found with this particular round of lettering is I am editing a ton. And it's just this basic kind of editing where you might say... Your, your line in the script might have been, it's time for us to get on the plane soon. But then when you fit it in the bubble, you're like, nah, that, that takes up more space than I need. So right. you might be like, we're boarding now. And then you're saying the same thing, but you're saying it in, in a different way with fewer words that fits the balloon on the panel. You know, so, um, so then that's the next thing. And then before you know it, you're kind of shrinking. You know, then you adjust the balloon so that it has that nice look that you like. Before you know it, you're done. You know, like I can do a page in 25 minutes, uh, a lot of times faster, um, and I'm relaxing. I'm just putting metal on and I'm doing that or I'm warming up with my coffee, which is nice because your smart brain is working, but your active brain is just sort of groggy and waking up. And uh, yeah, halfway through and I'm hoping that I'll, I'll finish the other half this week. Nice, man. Yeah, I do this process with my lettering where I'll copy the script for the entire page. 
copy. I'll paste it onto the side of my Illustrator. So I, I got on Photoshop. I've never done lettering on Photoshop, so I don't know how that works. But like in Illustrator, you can paste onto the side of it, mm. the side of your image, and then you can work there because mm. there's no images like kind of clogging what you see, like obstructing words and whatnot. So you can just make the pattern, you know, it's just like, oh, this top tier has to be so, like, you know, four words or two words or something like that. And mm -hmm. you, the next word, so if the top sentence is two words and the next one is probably three or four. And then it makes the shape of the balloon. That's mm -hmm. what you want to do. So after I copy and paste it to the side, that's all I do is I make it as oval shaped of text as possible and then i will cut and then paste into and then i would put um i'd go to my spreadsheet so i have a spreadsheet like you mentioned that's just full of balloons that have random sizes random tails and then i'll put them just over right over the text and then i'll select them all and then push them behind the text and then adjust the size accordingly. So like you said, once you do it like for a little bit, you get in rhythm, you kind of get your process down and then it becomes like you said, it's just like, it's very soothing. It's just mm -hmm. kind of like, yeah, all right, this is what I'm doing today. And yeah. it's like, it's chill. You don't have to think too hard. It's like, you just yeah. make the shape. Yeah. All you're doing is making a shape and you got to fit it on this page. How are we going to fit on the page? So yeah, very relaxing, very enjoyable. And it's like, I hope people listen to this and realize lettering is not as, I don't know, annoying or bothersome, I think, as people think it is. Mm -hmm. It's 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 part of the process that's really enjoyable. So I think once you can get into it, you really get into it, and it it's, it's just easy. Yeah. Easy peasy. And, I mean, it, it's chipping away, right? Like, like again, I'm just, I'm just committing to do two pages of lettering a day. That is not a big commitment. That is warming up with my two cups of coffee every morning before I go do other stuff, yeah. you know? So you can definitely make that work. And to, to the other point I was gonna mention, you know, we've talked about it before, but it, it never hurts to mention again. You want your text to have as much of a diamond pattern within the bubble as possible, depending on the shape of the bubble. And I'm gonna use my favorite line that I've brought up all week because we just got through May 4th here. Somehow Palpatine has returned. What you want for that classic line of amazing dialogue that signifies such great writing is that what you would want is somehow comma on the first line and then you will want palpatine has on the second line and returned on the bottom line that is you know using those four words that's how you're going to get the closest to a diamond pattern and the reason i mention that is because you don't want somehow on the first line palpatine on the second line and then has returned on the third line that's going to make has returned every bit as long as Palpatine, if not longer. Right. And that's going to be a clumsy balloon, and that's not what you want. And it's so interesting, too, because, like, as you describe that, I'm like, yeah, Keith gets it. You know, like, you just get how to letter. And, like, and I I get it now as well. And I'll go back, and I'll look at my older issues where, where I was first learning to letter, and I didn't do that on a lot of the stuff. So if you, so if you look at our early work, you can see us essentially grow from the beginning of our works to what we're doing now you can see the progression on how to avoid these things and that's and that's something that we're trying to do here on this pod is we're trying to help you guys learn so you don't have to make the mistakes that we make yeah you know you had a version of that conversation earlier today which was which was very good you know like again that's that's in our opinion that's our favorite thing about having this out there as a resource you know anyway right. so what was your first thing yeah right? it's it's like it's one of those things where your parent tells you don't do this. It's not going to work out for this reason. And you go, 
my mom doesn't know anything. I'm going to go do it. Right. And it doesn't work out, and it plays out exactly like she said. But you had to do it because you had to learn. So <laughs> we want you guys to listen to this and don't do that. Like, learn from what we're saying to you. You know, it's stuff we've learned ourselves, stuff we've learned from other professionals. So it's not like we're just talking out of our ass here. So, yeah. you know, try to take this information as much as possible. And hey, if you got to make the mistakes, you're going to make them and that's on you. And, and it's okay. And yeah. that's how we learned, you know, it was just us figuring stuff out. And so we're trying to give you the cliff notes from learning from our mistakes. Yeah. And one other thing you, you prompted your line just now prompted something which I found hilarious because, you know, I am a stepfather. I met my kids when they were ages 5, 10, and 10 for the twins. And uh, that meant that I was just thrust into the world of children's movies. And so between whatever years that was, I watched every fucking children's movie. And you have to watch every kid's movie, and I know the parents out there know exactly what I'm talking about, to understand how mediocre almost all of them are. You know, As adults, we get to pick and choose. We can be like... Hey, you know, Despicable Me looks pretty great. And then you see it, and it is great, because it's one of the best. Yeah, I was going to say, like, if you watch a Pixar movie, more than likely, it's going to be a pretty awesome movie, and everyone gets to enjoy it. Exactly, but kids like them all. And then you end up watching just these absolutely bad bad to mediocre movies, and it's just the mediocrity is there, even at a huge budget, big studio level. And you just, you sift through all this stuff. And like the way to, to summarize so many kids movies is parents don't know shit, you know? And it's like, because, you know, the kid sees something amazing and the parents like, no, no, no. And the kid's like, but you don't understand yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I don't think that's the best lesson to teach kids. No, it isn't. Because yeah, these cartoons teach your parents don't know what you're talking. You saw something that your parents didn't see and it all works out. And your parents were wrong at the end of it. In reality, it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. The parents do know what they're talking your about. Parents absolutely know what the fuck is going on. They've, yeah. they've experienced more life than you, and they know exactly what's going on. And they see you fucking up before you fuck up. So uh, anyway, exactly. First uh, thing. First thing. Yeah. My first thing. Yeah. So the race between me and death. I have taken the lead by quite a bit. I am going to finish before him. Um, he has a deadline of June. My deadline was May 18th, or is May 18th. So I think I will hit that. And honestly, I'm going to do my best to knock it out. Both, all three, two and a half pages. I'm going to knock them all out in the next week. That is my goal. I don't know if it's going to happen, but damn it, I'm going to try it. Okay. Yeah. Hey, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably record. We'll probably record later in the week. This next week, so that'll give you some time. And the reason is because, again, I'm gonna. We're not going to talk about this much unless we decide to bring it in the bullshit section. Is that um, we? Doctor Strange just came out. And uh, while while the reviews are mixed, um, my youngest uh, absolutely hated it. It is by far my favorite Marvel movie of all time. It's not even close. After one viewing, now that's a little dangerous because to know me is to know that I'm going to contradict myself, future <laughs> self, all the time. But at this point in time, I am so excited about this movie that I'm trying to figure out the best day for me to go see it a second time. So I'm going to do that early in the week, and then we'll record later in the week. Right on. Yeah, and I watched it as well. I loved it. I thought it was awesome. So um, yeah, this is one of the one of the Marvel movies where Keith and I agree. He did not yeah. enjoy the last Spider Man movie. I loved it. So yeah, we're on the same page on this one. Yeah. So it's pretty yeah. cool. And our Star Wars disagreement is yes. legend. Is Legendary. Legend. <laughs> yeah. Um, um. And you didn't have anything else, right? That I actually good. want to talk about one thing. Okay. Yeah. But it's not about me. It's actually about you. It's oh. about the fact that by the time this episode airs, 
I'm going to be pretty close to posting the Kadoja Symphony of Madness number one Kickstarter. Oh, yeah, right. And this is a great time to mention that Scott and I are going to have some fun with this Kickstarter. And uh, a couple things are going to happen involving making comics. One of them is that we're going to have a making comics tier that is probably going to involve some bonus content of some sort. If you are an avid listener of the podcast, and we encourage you to, uh, be one, have fun. And go see if there's any bonus content out there that may have lurked within the last 20 episodes or so that can be part of this Kickstarter. But another thing is that Scott is going to do a cover for the Making Comics tier. And uh, Scott has actually... So we actually have the fun thing of talking about what we did and having it be something we're actually collaborating on, which is I saw the inks of the cover. He... You know, everything that, that we talk about with each other, now we get to experience that with each other. So, like, Scott drew the, Scott gave me the idea for a cover a couple weeks ago. I loved it. Um, Scott then drew it up, uh, gave me a pencil to take a look at, and I was like, yes, this looks amazing. Gave me two versions of inks to choose from and asked me a couple clarifying questions. We went from there, and now we have basically the black and white inked version of the cover. I'm excited for it, and I think it's going to be uh, really cool. Yeah, it's um, I I did pretty pretty tight pencils, um, digital pencils, digital inks, and so. But I am also going to print it out in blue line ink it traditionally. So if you guys are fans of the pod, look for that when the Kickstarter comes up, and the original will be available as a tier. So I highly encourage you to pick up that tier. Um, so one 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 copy, one right. copy to rule them all. So yeah. it is the original cover um, to this making comics tier so yeah look look out for that for sure yeah man. Do you, was... want, do you want me to tell them what it is or do you want to wait nah, let's wait a week okay let's yeah we can wait we yeah. can wait yeah we'll wait a week right on yeah and it was fun it was super fun to do super easy um i really enjoy it i had a couple of other ideas but that was the one i was like this feels appropriate and uh, maybe we could visit some of the other ones in the future or something like that but this one's cool um uh, yeah so that was also one of the things that i did this week because I, I drew that cover so something i've been doing is I have a lot of side gigs that I have to do, um, a lot of a lot of pieces that I have to draw on the side, and uh, so I was able to knock out one of them and uh, finish a page. And as soon as I finish the page, I'm like, I got tons of time today. Let's work on that cover. Mm -hmm. And so it's great. Like it's very rewarding being able to draw these pages, the interiors, the one panel a day, whatever I'm doing. I think the day I drew your cover, I actually finished a whole page. So I was just like, it was like three out of four panels on that one page. So I was like, I'll just do all of them. So I mm -hmm. did them all. Which is great because that means I'm getting faster. And I was still able to do a rough for one of my clients and then uh, do the cover. So mm. very productive week. And um, I think the last thing I want to mention before we move on to the main topic is uh, I have been talking about doing slip cases for the second shift. I have 12 issues out right now. And as much as I love single issues, it's hard to find your single issues on the bookshelf. So what I want to do, this is this goes back to me loving to double dip, to have my cake and eat it too. I love the um, the uh, serialized numbering. I love that I'm on issue 12, but I love putting on the cover one shot mm -hmm. because it is a one shot story. It is a one issue, one and done situation. I love putting one of two on the cover. Um, so I always double dip. I have that uh, on the standard cover in the top left box. It's one of two two of two or one shot or you know whatever the case is and then somewhere else on the cover more than likely on the top right is the serialized numbering so i'm doing something with these boxes 
where I love single issue. I'm a single issue collector, as I've mentioned many a time on the pod. And but I love being able to find shit on the bookshelf. So I'm I'm looking into getting slipcases where I can put those single issues in them, and then so backers of my Kickstarters can pick those up and go, yeah, I can easily find these on the shelf. They can keep collecting singles mm-hmm. and uh, you know move forward. So I back to Kickstarter a while back, and they posted an update, and they're like, hey, our next Kickstarter is up, and we have the slipcase that we're doing. So I back to the new Kickstarter. I e- I messaged them, and I said, hey, I backed your other Kickstarter. I got all the first three. I backed this one, got the fourth issue. Where did you get those slip covers at? I've been trying to do it. I'm a comic creator and blah, 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 blah. Um, they were nice to oblige, and this goes back to something we talked about early in this episode, is if you buy one of our books, we'll talk to you about whatever you want. So We did not talk about that in the episode, but we talked about it at the No, table. we did. did no, we? Yeah, you talked about it. Oh, okay. Wait, did we? Mm-mm. Oh, okay. So, all right. So, something... <laughs> I'm sorry. We've been drinking um, all day. <laughs> one of us is wrong right now, and we and, don't and, know and which it, one. <laughs> uh, it, I'm pretty sure it's me, but it, who knows? So something we've talked about at the table, and, and we have talked about this in previous episodes. If, you, if you're if you a fan, we would love to speak to you. We can speak to you for an hour if you want. It's harder to do that, though, if you're unwilling to buy something at the table. Like, And it doesn't have to be something giant. You could buy a single comic from us. And if you do that... It makes it more, and this this is universal. This is, I can tell you for a fact that every creator that you meet, they will be more than likely to talk to you about more things if you purchase one thing from them. Because that's what we're there for. We're there, we're there to interact with fans, obviously. We love talking to fans of our work, whatever it is. But we also want you to purchase something from us. So... If you purchase a $4 comic, we can talk to you for an hour and, and not bat an eye because, hey, they bought something. They 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 appreciate our time. That lets, that lets us know that they appreciate us. I made sure to let them know up front on the Kickstarter. I backed your previous Kickstarter. I just backed this Kickstarter. So here's some information I was wondering if you could pass along. And they mm-hmm. gratefully passed it along. Very cool. They gave me the contact info. They gave me the company and the guy that they were talking to. Yeah. And I emailed them straight away. And we're off and running. Yeah. So um, it's it's awesome. I'm excited about it. And um, yeah, so that's that's my last thing for the week. That's awesome. Yeah, man, that's really cool, man. So, so yeah, we did not talk about that at all before about the slipcase. So yeah, man, I guess it's, it's uh, main topic time. All right, main topic time. So it is the hardest thing to do in comics, episode three or uh, yeah. volume three, edition three, how, whatever yeah. you want to say about it. A few weeks back, I started talking to people on Twitter and asked them, hey, what's the hardest thing about making comics? And boy, did I get some responses. So this is the third installation of that. And this one is from at Jack uh, Rakel, R-E-I-C-K-E-L. The difference in time that take to produce versus the the time they take to consume. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I feel that all the time. I mean, that's the thing that keeps popping up in my head is this line that I heard recently on one of my writing podcasts that I listen to. Um, and it is, it is a, there was an author out there, and I can't remember who it was, I can't remember the credit, the source, anything, and they said, and this is, this is you know, what we just talked about, about if you're in the game, then support the game. If you're an indie creator, it's probably a good idea to buy other creators' books and, and make it be known that you are doing that. 
you know, that like you're part of this community too. The first thing they tell me, they tell you at like novel writing school, you know, like or classes or all these things is like get out there and buy novels. Support these people that are writing it. That's what you want. Do why would you not exactly? Why would you not do it in return? Exactly. So somebody said, like, I I love. Look, I may not read all my books, but I love buying. I love supporting the author, because whenever you buy a novel, you are buying four years of that author's life, and that's kind of the way I feel about this. Like, yes, there's absolutely a disconnect. There's a massive disconnect between an issue of a comic that you know, depending on how it's going, is. It may it may take one month and it may take two weeks and it may take six months to make. But what we're really talking about here is something that's maybe, I don't know, 50 to 100 to 200 hours of your life that you're putting into a single issue. And they're going to read it in 15 minutes if they're slow. That's just the gig, you know? Like, that's the gig with writing novels, too. It's the gig with movies, you know? Like, everybody who makes these kind of movies you know like i would not be surprised at all if as excited about dr strange as i am right now that by the time this episode airs i may have forgotten about it already and this is a movie i really like because that's how the cycle of culture just works i read 10 comics this last week i'm gonna read 10 or 20 more next week you know one of the reasons i'm not reading as many as i i usually do is because i'm doing work in the morning instead of reading comics to warm up so i just think that sort of comes with the game and it's not an easy thing to reconcile you know that look if and when my novel ever gets out there in the world you know if somebody really likes it they can read it in 11 hours of their life it took me 5 years man <laughs> you know but that's the gig. That's that's what we sign up for with how long it takes to make something versus how long it takes to, someone to consume something. Yeah, absolutely. And like we've talked about it a few times here, the wordless comic books or, you know, it's just like, yeah, you're going to go through that in probably five minutes. Yeah. And if, at, if you're at, slow. If you're yeah. slow. Yeah, right. So and and like, you know, like there's one book that I had talked about, uh, Step by Bloody Step. I do take my time with it because I enjoy the art. Mm-hmm. I really like the guy's work and I enjoy... Uh, panel by panel storytelling so i really just kind of consume it all and i do take my time but you're right it is about five minutes and who knows how long it took them to draw that so yeah absolutely um the amount of time that it takes to complete these these books that we're doing here and the time that the customer consumes them is is so quick i remember the very first uh, issue of second shift i had a friend over and me and Ed were sitting in the room with them. Um, I, I don't remember what we had just done. like, But me and Ed were together, um, and our buddy and his wife were there. And so we showed them the issue. We gave them the issue, whatever the case was. We were talking to our friend. And in the m- matter of us talking to him, the wife finished reading the comic book. And she goes, that's it? And it was just like, yeah, that took me how long to draw? It was like, right. and it was my very first comic book I ever drew. Yeah. So I think it took me like legitimately a, like 10 months to draw because yeah. I had just stopped wrestling and started drawing comics. So it, I was not quick at all. For something you thought of in the seventh grade, is that right? Yeah, I yeah. started second shift in the seventh grade. Yeah. Right? So I mean, this is this is basically like having this comic get made yeah. is some sort of lifetime achievement award for you. And she read it in 10 minutes while we were having a conversation with her husband. Yeah. And uh, like, and I took it as a compliment though, because the way she said it, she was looking for more. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was just like, I'm glad she liked the first issue. 
but it also sucks because she read it so quickly and it took me so long to do. So it's unfortunately, it's just part of the process. I mean, it's something you have to consolidate in your mind. Um, uh, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm sorry, Jack. So, um, you know, good luck. And, uh, it's, it is how it is. Chris Dreyer said the same thing though. Remember he was talking about, I think how he did tales of the dark tunnel as a on the Chris Dreyer episode where we talk about public domain characters go find it yeah it's there how he did Tales of the Dark Tunnel and uh, he just expected it to be a a one-off thing and then people came to him come came to him at shows and they're like when's the next one what (laughs) you know right there's a next one so yeah it's just it's just the nature of the beast man it's the nature of the cycle and as a fellow nerd, I consume content very, very quickly, so it doesn't surprise me that other people would consume content they like quickly. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're at Free Comic Book today. We wanted free comics, free comic books just as much as the people standing in line for them, so... Uh-oh. <laughs> we didn't grab our free comic books. Yeah. You could put I, an email in to I'm going to message De- yeah, Dennis. Mess- message Dennis. You can grab them on Wednesday. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, that sucks. Uh... <laughs> I know. I thought. I thought it just when you thought Scott and I just made bug eyes at each other because we had one of the guys who worked there. They were nice enough to just set aside a couple of free comics yeah. for us, and we forgot to get them. I'm going to tell Dennis to put them in my pull box. Yeah. So hopefully, the, oh, they're gone. It's five thirty. Yeah. All right. Well, it is what it is. All right. Moving on to the next one. Um, this is from Ali at Ali Dangerous. Motivation, determination, and keep keeping people on deadline. I have experienced this myself personally. Um, being a member of the Accidental Aliens when we first started, it, it's like we are a collective of artists that are a studio um, onto ourselves and basically a digital studio right now. Our home base unfortunately closed down, so we don't have really a place to meet every week. Um, but when we were doing these Accidental Alien anthologies, I usually play the editor role. Not so much trying to tell people what to do as far as their story goes, but keeping everyone on deadline. It is difficult. Like, trying to keep artists, not all artists, I don't want to generalize, but in my experience, doing the editor role, it's like herding cats. Mm -hmm. You know, you got a couple of cats that will comply, and then there's other ones that are just doing their own thing, living their life, and they're not going to listen to you, they're not going to communicate with you, they're just going to do their thing. They're going to lick their paws, and lick their anus, and they're going to move along. So... I, I feel you. Um, it, it's, it's frustrating. It's tough. And uh, you get ghosted by creators and you're just like, it would just be so much easier if you would communicate as to what is going on. Mm-hmm. How many pages are you behind? How long do you think it'll happen? But sometimes people don't do that. They don't communicate. They just shut down. They avoid you and they think that's better when it clearly isn't. Mm-hmm. So I understand uh, this specific topic, like the, it's definitely a hard part about making comics. Yeah. Um, so when you're dealing with certain talents, it can be an issue. If there's one thing I can offer on that, it would be use polite persistence. That'll get you through. You know, I do that all the time when it comes to just following up on the even the artists that I've hired that I that have agreed to work with me. If you don't hear from them for a while, just hey. How's it going, man? Just checking in, just seeing how you're going, you know? I think people know how to do that, but polite persistence goes a long way. It's gotten me a long way um, in a couple different vocations. You know, when when my band was trying to book clubs, um, we would do the same thing. Like, you wouldn't hear from a club owner for two weeks. 
I put a little reminder in my calendar, follow up if you haven't heard back. And I had not one, but multiple club owners come back to me and say, you know, one of my favorite things about dealing with you, it, like you got the gig because you just kept following up and you were really nice about it. And you just, you know, you didn't follow up too much and you followed up just the right amount and you were cool. And that was, you know, I would have booked you anyway, but that's definitely the kind of thing that helped get you the, the ice, gig. icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's great. Great note. Um, the next one is... This is by um, U.S. Dutch Kitty um, Perspective. So, your best friend is YouTube. And if you work digitally, your best friend is Procreate and the digital tool. The, the, you know, it's, it's going to help you out. It's awesome. Um, as I was growing up as a comic fan, I would be picking up Wizards every month. And there was a how to draw comics section, essentially. I can't remember the title. Oh, it was Brutes and Babes. Mm, Roots okay. and babes. Um, so they would go through things, and there was one month was perspective. I pulled, I ripped those out of my wizard and put them in a binder mm. because I didn't understand perspective. Like, I still have difficulties with perspective now. Mm -hmm. You know, there's something about the image, the further, the closer you get to your points on your perspective line, your horizon line. The further it's going to be, the smaller it has to be, you know, the closer it is, the bigger it's going to be. So it's it's something I struggle with a little bit today. I'm I'm way better at it than I was before. I can fake the funk for mm -hmm. for to a degree, mm -hmm. but and like be real with it to a degree. Um, but it's like it's kind of the eyeball test, mm -hmm. you know, at times. And, and so for me it's it's an issue. But um, the procreate tool, the perspective tool on that program helped a ton. Um, but, you know, my suggestion is YouTube, read, watch as much as you can in order to, you know, fix that issue. Um, but it's something that needs to be addressed. You can you can be one of those artists who just kind of like never draws backgrounds, but I don't suggest it. I, I, I'm not a fan of it, but I draw a comic book that's in the city. So I draw buildings and cars in perspective all the time. So it's something you learn. The more you do it, the better you get at it. Keith, you don't have anything on perspective? I don't. <laughs> it's all about finding the right one. The right perspective. Yeah. I like it. Um, this is from at DJ underscore imp underscore art. For me, turning the script into panels, it just seems to take the most thought and planning since it's where I decide things like pacing and shot angles. It's where the comic really takes shape. I also consider that the most fun part, though. He's not wrong. That, that it's 100%. You you nailed it on the head. It is very difficult. It is the part where the comic comes to life, and it takes a lot of time. But it's also the funnest part of it. Yeah. Um. Depending how much time you want to put into those thumbnails, turning that script into panels, you can also put a placeholder. That's something else you can do. You know, it's like okay, well, hey, at the moment, I don't exactly have something what I need here, but I, I kind of know what I need. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of just write it in, like. Hey, need X, Y, Z. Right. I'm totally editing that out, but I had to fit it in. So. You could bleep it. It would be funnier. Yeah. <laughs> Photos. Beep. Yeah. Um, I, I will say this, though. That's something I do at the writer phase because since I'm working with a lot of artists for hire and don't really have... You know, like if you had a loose dynamic and you're just a team that's been working forever... You can just write the script and then leave it as a writer and then leave it to the artist to do it. 
What I don't know is if this person is a writer or an artist or like a Frank Miller type where they're they're doing everything, right? But um, but yeah, that's something that I do. You know, like when it comes to the script, I've mentioned this on some previous podcasts. You know, you turn it into that panel. And sometimes you have to just be rudimentary and close your eyes and ask yourself, how do I picture this scene? How do I picture this panel? And then you write out what you see in that, in your image, in your mind, in your third eye, you know? So anyway, it, artists can do it. Artists can try to translate a writer's script. Writers may be translating their own script into panels in my case, but it's all relevant. Yeah. And, and something that Ed's talked about to me is he sees it in his mind's eye mm-hmm. when he's writing these. He, he visualizes it himself. And then when I draw it, he goes, it's so crazy to see the visual element of what you, when you read my words, this is what you thought of compared to what I thought of. And it's so different. Yeah. And, and that's cool. And I, I love hearing that. And he obviously thinks it's cool. So, uh, yeah, super fun. Yeah. And I think that's something that if you're on the writer's side, something to keep an eye out for is like a lot of gauges on a car or an airplane or wherever you want it somewhere in the middle. You know, like your, your job ideally is to give the artist enough direction to where they're going to give you a panel that's in the space you like, but generally not so much direction that you're acting as the goddamn artist, you know, like, and that is something that no matter what artist I talk to on this podcast, off this podcast, whatever, artists do not like too much direction. You know, and and so even when I talk about that my scripts have a lot of direction, there's still a lot of angles you can take. Like, you can have a lot of leeway even within the direction I give because I'm trying to design it that way. You know, like, I think we've mentioned this before, but my number one thing with artists that I work with in any context is I want you to have fun. I want to think of cool shit for you to draw, and I want you to enjoy drawing this, and, and we go from there, you know? So... Part of that is letting your artist be your artist, you know, and in, in my opinion, if you're a writer and you're hiring an artist, well, like, you know, let them be them, you know, don't, don't try to, don't try to put too much of a governor on what they're doing, right. you know, let their freak flag fly. That's, let them have a good time drawing this thing. And, and the hope is the writer gets the page back and is blown out of the water. It's like, I didn't think of this and it's way better. Yeah. I visualized it one way and it, this is so much better. Yep. And and that's best for everyone. The yep. artist feels great about it, you as the writer feel great about it, everyone wins. Yeah. And the part, comic book gets made. Yeah, so I was good. just I was actually just in one of the pages I was lettering in Kadoja. Uh, I I came to the the part where there was just this certain scene and I was like dropping this dialogue onto this particular panel is geeking me out with how fun it is because it's like, my God, this is so much better than I had envisioned. You know, so and that's what you want. You want your writer to be geeked out if you're making art. Absolutely. And, you know, as a writer that you want to allow yourself to be geeked out and you give by giving artists leeway. That's how you get it. Absolutely. All right. So we're going to cap it there. Uh, we obviously have more stuff. I seriously got 100 responses or more when I asked this question online. So there might be one more installment of the hardest thing about making comics. So it keeps the podcast rolling and it's uh, fun to talk about. And you kind of, we get to think on the fly and, and really think about these things that other people are struggling with, whether it be a writer or an artist or both. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Moving on to the bringing the bullshit section. You got anything? Do I have anything? Let me think about this. Okay. So I'm going to say right off the bat, number one, we were able to get what we wanted at Free Comic Book Day. We got our free comic books. So 
Um, like we had just mentioned, we forgot to grab them before we left, but they're there. <laughs> so that was cool. Um, what I got was TMNT, the uh, the TMNT free comic book, and Kaiju was it eight. Kaiju number eight. Kaiju which number I, eight. I recommended uh, a previous episode or two. Yes, yeah. and that's actually why I got it because uh, Keith had recommended it, and I didn't know going into this free comic book day what was going to be out. Um, thankfully, SoCal Comics allowed us as creators um, working working the show to point out a couple issues we wanted and they held them for us and, and you know um, obviously we're limited which yeah. is totally appropriate Hell on yes. what we can get so I just got those two uh, what'd you get? I got three I got Bone Orchard the intro um, which was again it, there's a new shared kind of horror-ish universe that's going to come out it may the first issue slash graphic novel may have come out by the time this airs but if not it's coming really soon and uh, this was the, I guess, preview or whatever of it. So yeah. that should be pretty cool. And then I also got Kaiju number eight and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, mainly because my hunch is if a book ends up being worth anything, it'll be Kaiju number eight. Because the cool thing is that is Kaiju number eight in a comic book format, the 6.675 by 10.25 or whatever it is, as opposed to the manga format, which is how kaiju number oh eight that's exists. how it normally exists yeah, okay totally. i didn't know that yeah it's okay. a comic book format of kaiju number eight so it's pretty exciting i, I didn't you know, know it was a manga format yeah it's a manga book oh uh-huh. right on cool. yeah i think only the first two volumes are out maybe i know i've pre-ordered three but yeah i'm a huge fan eden's a huge fan um because she i told her like you should probably check this out and uh yeah man and that's her preferred uh way to read is manga yeah she loves yeah. it you know yeah, i mean again, i think you know People my people my age have a little bit harder time getting into manga, but I still love me some manga if it's a good story. Um, but you know, younger people, man, it's all yeah, over that's manga. their that's their bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Um, so I was on the hunt for very early issues of uh, Bitter Root. Yeah, and I won an auction. <laughs> Boy, did I win an auction! I'd say you're back, but you never left. Right. Um, I, it, honestly, overall, it was a very good deal. So something I'd mentioned earlier on this pod was uh, Bitterroot. It was one of those books that was highly touted, and I got the first two issues, and I dropped off for whatever reason. I think I just didn't have a pull list at the time, so I just fell off and kind of forgot about it. And the book got picked up, and I wanted to get the rest of the issues. Every single issue, you're going to pay at least 20 bucks. That's what it felt like. It was just like, yeah, $20. We're in an era where there's not a lot of issues being printed. Like the, the, the publishing demand isn't as high as it used to be in the 70s or 80s or 90s. Um, and so we're in a down period, like the early aughts. Like we're in a down period right now. So every single issue of that book is going to run you $20. I got 11 or 12 issues for ninety-two dollars. Okay. So it worked out pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty good. What's the, what's the math on that? Uh, it's about uh, sounds like about eight a book. Yeah. Yeah. Eight thirty-six. So that's double cover price. I'm cool with that. Double cover price per issue. Yeah. yeah. So instead of as opposed to twenty per issue, it's eight thirty-six per issue. Eight is lower than twenty. It is. So my basic math skills. Um, yeah. Says that it was a good deal. Crushing it. Yeah. That's a great. Yeah. Deal. That's pretty great happy deal. about that. Yeah. That's great. That's great. So. While he was talking, I went and looked up my eBay purchases to see what I've bought in the last week. And I wasn't too bad. Uh, this morning, this there's something, you know, I, I've been dancing around these for a while. And uh, I finally did it. And it is a dangerous slope to go down. But there have been people who compare the first five issue arc of Kadoja 
uh, that have come up to the table and they, they're like, yeah, you remind me a lot of like early Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like the, the Genesis. And that's always made me interested in TMNT. And I finally pulled the trigger and got an artisan edition, I think, of the first issues ever of TMNT. Just as something to look through and go from there. You know, I, I did slash do enjoy The Last Ronin. I haven't read the final issue. I think there's the, the book that we got at Free Comic Book Day is a preview of another series that looks really promising. Um, so, yeah, I, I went ahead and pulled the trigger. And uh, hopefully that doesn't make me want to buy back issues of 300 issues of comics. Because that's, that's a bad place to quite, be. Quite expensive. That's a place I don't want to be. Yeah. yeah, it's a place I don't want to be. But I'll probably measure it and just go from there. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing is, as I'm reading through these comics that my buddy Mark Gaskins uh, gave me in Houston, you know, um, I I just went with first, I just alphabetized them, put them in two stacks, and I pull a book off the stack and go from there, while I'm trying to also keep up with my current issues. And uh, I read, uh, he had a little mini run of Spider-Man there, and it was 197, 198, and 199. And it was, in fact, like a continuous story. And after 199, I think maybe it was even 198. It was 196, 197, and 198. And I got to the end of 198, and I'm like, I got to know how this ends. So I ended up... Oh, it wasn't the end of the... He didn't give you the end of the story. His next issue is 204. Oh, man. So there's a little gap there of (laughs) 199 through 203. Yeah. So I was like... I fucking got an auction. So I found a person that had, like, you know, lower condition stuff... But I ended up winning basically successive auctions for one ninety nine and two hundred, and then the guy had other Spider Man stuff like two thirty three or whatever. They just looked like cool issues, and the prices were good. So I bundled all those four up, and I think they showed up yesterday, maybe. So I get to continue this little Spider Man arc that almost certainly ends at issue two hundred, and then I, then it's just whatever I want to do. You right know? on. But yeah, um, yeah. The last thing I bought was. I paid for it this morning. Was uh, I bought Captain Carter episode or issue one? Hey, I got uh, two covers of it. So it seems cool for whatever reason. I thought I would pick that up. And for whatever reason. For whatever reason. And uh, you know they have the what if. So if you're unfamiliar with Captain Carter, you can go on Disney Plus and watch the what if series, the cartoon. And uh, I think she's the in the first episode or second yeah, episode. It's the first episode. First episode is Captain Carter. So I picked that up. Um, cover price. Yeah. You know, I got uh, two different covers. One was three ninety nine. The other one was four ninety nine. Shipping was four seventy five. Nice. Not too shabby. I'll do that. So I picked those bad boys up. My second favorite what if episode, because my favorite what if episode is the one where there's the alternate universe Doctor Strange that's all evil. And does I didn't all that watch that shit. one yet. It's. Awesome. Okay, okay. I'll check that out. Dramatic pause. Right. It's an amazing episode. Okay, cool. It's worth watching. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to watch the whole series. I just, there's been so much going on, so much new stuff that I yeah. didn't get to go through everything. So, what, what, geek, I, it's so with, with What If, I think I stopped. I think Doctor Strange may have been number, I think if I remember right, number one was Captain Carter. Number two was the What If uh, Chala was the leader of the Guardians oh, of the yes, Galaxy. Oh, yes, I watched it, yep. That's mm-hmm. an excellent episode. Yeah, that was fun. Number three, I believe, is the alternate universe, multiverse Doctor Strange. Okay. A what if. And then maybe number four was like Marvel's Zombies. Okay. And I may have stopped watching after that. I, okay. I The one I didn't watch and any successive ones was like Party Boy Thor. That was the one I didn't watch. Okay. Um, and anything after that. But those first couple were really nice. And uh, anyway, so yeah, man, that was that was fun stuff. Yeah. Um, 
And that's cool that you got those comics. Man. Yeah, man. But yeah. the Doctor Strange one's amazing. Okay, definitely watch that. There's a sequence in Doctor Strange that feels like it was pulled right out of like Fantasia by Walt Disney from the 1930s, huh. dude. Just an absolutely incredible sequence, dude. I'll tell you about it once we're shut off. Off the air, yeah. yeah. I love it. So good. Cool. Anything else? I mean, that's it for me. Now is a great time. Actually, yes. I want to mention one more thing. Last week we recorded early. If you remember... I had just been celebrating the fact that the Sixers beat the Toronto Raptors. To be a Philadelphia sports fan is to always keep your guard up for the kick in the nuts that is coming, right? <laughs> yeah. And I fucking didn't do it. I'm stupid, right? Because here I am. Go go back and listen to that if you want. Listen to the end. Listen to how happy I am celebrating the fact that we beat the Toronto Raptors, right? That was on, uh, I don't know, Thursday or something like that, probably. Maybe a Tuesday. Tuesday or Thursday, Tuesday usually. or Thursday, right? And then, uh, so, what, two days later? Out of nowhere, out of nowhere, oh, hey, Joel Embiid took an elbow to the face, had a had an orbital fracture in his skull and has a concussion, and now may not even play in the NBA playoffs. And I'm like, <laughs> I should have known the kick in the nuts Didn't, was coming. Yeah. I should have fucking known, because, again, like, again, you're a Laker fan, man. This kind of season is, is an anomaly to you, yeah. the kind of season you had. This is life for me, you know? Like, And, and to have a team like the Sixers that I don't think they're going to win the title, but they think they got a puncher's chance with a healthy Embiid, to have that happen, it's like, of course. Of course that's what's going to happen, you know? So now that we're recording this, the Sixers just won last night. Embiid did come back. He looked okay. We're down two games to one. By the time this airs, the series will probably be over one way or the other, but uh, it doesn't look so bad, but... We still lost two chances because Embiid missed two games because of the uh, kick in the nuts uh, that I should have Who had the home coming. court, those first two? Miami had the home court. Okay. So we lost two on Miami's home court. Okay, okay. Just puts a little more pressure on Philly to win the first this next game on our home court. If we win this game and it goes back to Miami for game five with like a getting healthier by the day Embiid, let's go, right? But so much of this might be about time you lost when you could have tried to steal a game before. So. Right. We will see. But I should have fucking known, Scott. That's the point. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, always brace for the kick in the nuts as a Philadelphia fan. Uh, my backup team, uh, my secondary team is the Warriors, the Golden State Warriors. My buddy has, see, or had, has, I'm not sure if he still has them, um, season tickets to the Warriors. So over the last X amount of years, I've been in the Bay many a times just catching Warriors games. So that's who I'm rooting for, obviously, in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I caught the first two games. And uh, I think, what, the third game's today, yeah? I think it uh, yeah. is. The third game's today, yeah, so we're tied up. Starting, one. It's actually on right now. Oh, right I don't on. think we have it on TV. Um, so uh, they're tied up 1-1 as this is going on. So um, the second game, it was an anomaly. Uh, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry had a bad shooting day, which is like it, it just as much of an anomaly as the Lakers' bad season this season. Yeah. So um, hopefully there's a bounce back and we're doing okay. And hopefully by the time this episode airs, uh, the Warriors have beat the Grizzlies. So, John Moran. Is real. John he is real. John Morant. Holy shit. I, watching that second game, yeah. I'm like, this dude is getting whatever he wanted whenever he wants it. Right, right. And it's like, oh, he's the real shit. So my thought on John Morant, number one, and it was weird because I had this thought. I texted both Ed and my buddy Rod about it. That John Morant is as close to the reincarnation of Allen Iverson as anybody's going to see, you know? And then I actually had a, another dude text me randomly like, you know, I'm watching this Grizzlies Warriors series and I'm thinking of you because, like, this John Morant reminds me a lot of vintage AI. Absolutely. But it also, 100% agree. But it's also in the way that, like, he takes a lot of punishment 
And, like, you know, the weird thing about AI is he did almost nothing for his own conditioning other than, like, going to Vegas until 7 in the morning, you know? Yeah. And, like, but, or sorry, going to Atlantic City in Philly till 7 in the morning. I mean, like, that's the, the typical AI story goes like this. Dude, like, I saw him in Atlantic City, whoever this person is saying, at 3 in the morning at a diner, and he walked in with his posse, and he hanged out there for, like, hung out there for, like, two hours and ate, like, you know, Eggs Benedict. And then went home and then dropped 47 the next night. <laughs> like the same night after staying out till 7 yeah. in the morning. Like that's vintage AI. So he is a freak of nature in that he took so much punishment without conditioning. With so and, little care for and his With body. so little care and still <laughs> managed to have like a 12-year NBA right. career. You know, yeah. eight of which and you hear that about relevant. And you hear that about Jordan too. Like he would be out gambling until 6 a.m. Yeah. And then like sleep two hours or whatever and then hit you with 40 in your face. The flu game. Right. right? Yeah, which, the hangover which, game. The hangover game. Is what exactly. that was. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like, but, so that's the worry about John Morant that he might not have that freakish AI thing and he takes a lot of abuse. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's is going to be interesting because yeah, it's I wanted to do free word association with you with Dylan Brooks. It was dirty. I think he got suspended for one game. I think it should be at least two myself because like uh, GP2 is He's having done. surgery. Yeah. So and it's like, he was your jaw and he was the jaw stopper. Yeah. Right. So like that's going to be the interesting thing. Like Golden State, I don't think has an answer for Jaw anymore. The hope is they have an answer for everyone else. Yeah. Let Jaw get his forty. Get your but 40. let Clay and Steph and Poole yeah. get what they need to get and we'll be good. By far the best series of the second round. I'm excited. Although I'm, again, I'm if, digging if, it for if sure. If Philly sends it back to Miami two two, then at least that series has some competition Elevates. for what the best series is going to be. Right. Anyway. Agreed. That's that's enough for this week, man. Right on, man. Well, we hope you guys really enjoyed that basketball talk, as we know you guys love. Some people do. Some people do. Yeah. Some people do. We so love you. We love you. We yeah. love we love all of you. But uh, we enjoy those basketball people just a little bit more, because because <laughs> you like two of the things that we like, which is comics and basketball. Yeah. Um, all right, you can find me at Scott Lost S E O T T L O S T on Twitter and Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. No one has told me if you can type at Scott Lost on Facebook and find me. Someone's got to tell me. I don't know. It's me. I can't do it myself. So you guys tell me. This is our new Spotify riddle. It is. It's so world. Figure that out, please. Figure it out for us. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I'm an Instagram person. You can find me at Keith underscore Invader on Instagram. That is me posting, you know, let's go with like five, six times a week, a lot of cases, uh, about all kinds of stuff, writer stuff, you know, the comics I do, etc. And then if you just love the giant monsters, then I post about once a week on at Kadoja Kaiju. That is all one word. And that is strictly giant monster stuff. And you can find my comics that I do at AccidentalAliens.com, Second Shift, The Tell Minimum Wage Workers During the Day and Superheroes at Night, Wanders of Melisanda, Anthropomorphic Dinosaurs versus Humans. And I also do Accidental Alien Anthologies, 2018-19 uh, are available physically, 2017-18-19 are all available digitally. And then you can get Tales from the Mothership, which was our 2020 offering right before the pandy, uh, hit us, and you can get that book at AccidentalAliens.com. Yeah, so for me, uh, KeithRFoster.com. I got all kinds of stuff up there. Um, there's Kadoja stuff. There's Three Protector stuff. There's links to my articles on iHorror. Uh, 
couple days before this, the iHorror new comics to look for in the month of May went up. So if you have a couple extra dollars and you want to buy some cool comics, I have some ideas for you. So go to iHorror.com, do a search for me if it doesn't pop up immediately, and then go check out some comic books that I think you should grab in the month of May in the horror vein. Yeah, we do not have a Patreon, so we give you these podcasts absolutely free. The only thing we ask you is to buy our comic books. So if it's either on the website or if you see us in person and you let us know you love mis- uh, love making comics, you listen to it all the time, it helps you out, and you don't buy our comics, hurts our feelings. Buy the comic books. <laughs> not cool, guys. Not cool. But uh, I think you guys are all cool. So make sure you do that, and uh, it makes me right. It doesn't make me a liar. However, if, wants that. if you showed up and said... I gave you five stars on Apple Podcast, and I threw you some words. Then, like, it'd be like, "Have we ever told you you're our hero? You know, you're you're the wind beneath our wings, and uh, and that's what matters." So, Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, five stars is lovely. Um, you know, you're listening. You've listened this far. So, if you haven't taken an extra minute or two to give us five stars, please do. If you got an extra minute on top of that, throw us some words and let us know. We really do appreciate it. We love it. And uh, we can live for a week alone on just one compliment. And as we have done here earlier on in the episode, if you write us a letter on makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com, we'll read it here, obviously, with your approval. And uh, we'll talk about what you talk about. And if you have subjects, questions, comments, concerns, anything we've talked about here and you want to know more about or things you didn't like that we said, you're like, those aren't the right words. We want the right words. Let us know. Podcast at gmail.com. And we'll respond and say you're wrong. Those were the right words. Those were the right words. You're the wrong words. We're fucking professionals. Professionals. We've been drinking all day. Thank you for (laughs) listening to this episode of Making Comments. We'll catch you guys next week. Yay, yay.